0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10am service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us. And check out our website at mpbc.org.au Okay, we'll uh, think about this whole matter of healing. I'm reminded of a story of a, uh, an Englishman who was over in Ireland, just travelling on his own, and his car broke down. And he was standing beside the car, and a, along came an Irishman in a little donkey cart with a pig in the back that he was taking to market. He said, Can I help you, sir? Could I give you a lift to the next village? Well, the Englishman got on board and just clip clopping through the quiet green countryside, then he noticed a huge shotgun at the Irishman's feet. He said, I say, old chap, what's the reason for all this artillery? Well, sir, he said, If I see a fox, I can kill it. And that would make life easier for my fellow farmers. If I see a rabbit, I can shoot it and take it home for dinner. That's okay. They're clip-clopping a little further, coming up a hill, and there's a huge roar from the other side of the hill. And a car hurtles across on the wrong side of the road, knocks them flying, and just keeps going. Hi, George. Speaking of, not anyway. <laughs> well, the Irishman gets to his feet. He sees the donkey, two broken legs. It's gasping for breath. Pulls out his shotgun. He said, oh, my darling, I'll have to put you out of your misery. Boom, shoots the donkey. He looks at the pig. It's covered in blood and he thinks, well, you're not getting get a very good price at the market. Boom, shoots the pig. The Englishman is there lying in a ditch covered in blood, his arms half hanging off and the Irishman walks over with the shotgun cradled over his wrist. And, and how would you be travelling, sir? And the Englishman said, I've never felt better in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it is sometimes when this whole issue of healing comes because if we've had long-term illness it starts to shape how we feel. It even shapes who we are sometimes. Like the man beside the pool of Bethesda, 38 years he'd been there lying, waiting for the angel to disturb the water, waiting for somebody to help him in. And Jesus asked him a very interesting question. He said, do you want to be healed? Now, how would you answer that? I mean, 38 years, that's that's a generation or two. And that means that his story's over. He's going to have to find some way of getting a living. And unfortunately people will sometimes get it so attached to their illness that it shapes who they are. People who've been on a course of um, anti- well, different pills can outline all the details of what those pills can do. And speaking of pills and medicine, um, Sam is... Heading off to Sydney for uh, three months, isn't it? Now, the medical connection there. Sydney is a great place for medical advances because they not only have a blood bank, they also have a Liverpool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You're still awake, that's good. Okay, let's, uh, let's move into healing and uh, how we can pray for it. Now, doubts have switched sides because in Jesus ministry nobody doubted his capacity to heal it was obvious people walking around who'd never walked before people seeing who'd never seen before people could hear lepers cleansed no doubt about the healing but could he really forgive sins now the things have shifted because now we know he forgives but the doubt's come about whether he can really heal Now, a few key scriptures are from Isaiah 53, 1 to 6, describes the suffering servant who was as a lamb before the shear is done, and yet by his stripes were healed. Now, our traditional idea of that is that that relates to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and it's true. We know his forgiveness and healing through our spirit as we are born again, as we come alive to him. And yet in Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 to 17, it describes Jesus healing everybody in the neighbourhood and even proving that uh, Peter was happily married because he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Now, if Peter wasn't happily married, he'd be quite happy for mother-in-law to stay sick, right? In fact, you know, behind every successful man, there's an astounded mother-in-law. A fellow was telling me he was very proud of his own mother-in-law's success. He's got a really well-paid job in Scotland. She uh, only works on call, but every time it's foggy, tourism agencies ask her to swim up and down Loch Ness. (laughs) Not nice. Okay, let's move in. But this passage about the the suffering servant and the stripes being a a source of our healing relates to Jesus' ministry before he goes to the cross. And a very famous verse, a couple of verses from the upper room as Jesus was celebrating the Last Supper, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Now, they're all incredibly powerful promises and records of what Jesus has been doing. But we see the reality in our world where sin and death have invaded all God's plans. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word there, himatiar, refers to an arrow that doesn't quite reach the target. And we know what it's like to not reach our potential. It's because of sin, whether it's deliberate, our own sin, or whether it's the effects of other people's sin that are just cramping our style. But either way, we don't quite measure up to where we know we would love to be. And, of course, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, as it says in Romans 6.23. But let's remember that sin is not the only cause of sickness. Now, there's some sickness that will be caused by bad behaviour. I mean, just cause, simple cause and effect. But generally, you can't isolate particular illnesses to particular sins. God has made us, designed us incredibly with the power to heal. And I nicked myself a week or so with a, a very sharp knife and now there's just a f- very fine line. It it healed up. A couple of weeks back I got hit with a, a, a bout of shingles which wasn't much fun. It um, wasn't much fun at all. It's shaken it off now but things go wrong. But things go right. God has designed us actually with a a 7 to 10 year cell replacement program built into our bodies so that our cells are renewed every 7 to 10 years. So you're looking at the 10th version of me. Now I would have liked God to tick that box that said hair replacement. Didn't happen. But Let's, let's be honest about this renewal thing. We're not going to suddenly revert back to our 16, 17, 18-year-old invulnerability. We'll be refreshed and renewed as part of the healing, the renewal process. But healing is not always God's knee-jerk reaction. Now, healing takes place sometimes Instantaneously mostly over time. Either way it's a miracle whether it's microwave or slow release but God doesn't immediately cuddle us up and fix everything on the spot because if that was the case our faith in him would simply relate to how quickly he could fix things rather than how we can get to know him through the rough times and in knowing him through the rough times we're better able to share his grace with others who are going through a struggle his focus is on how we might know him and make his grace available that's the greatest form of healing because it doesn't just revolve around us now faith is a huge factor there's no question about that faith overcomes doubt and all the limits that it, apply, it uh, imposes on us remember the story of the pessimist with an, uh, the optimist with a pessimist friend this optimist he nothing held him back but he liked to go duck shooting and uh, his pessimist friend went along because the optimist had a new hunting dog and they were out in the boat and the ducks flew over bang dropped a duck it's a very violent message this morning I'm sorry about that but uh, and he said go rover and the rover ran across the top of the water picked up the duck ran back along the water dropped it in the boat the pessimist didn't say anything a few more ducks flew over bang bang dropped them each time rover went out crossed the water picked up the ducks brought them back the optimist said have you noticed anything about this pessimist this dog the pessimist said yeah it looks like he's scared of the water (laughs) (laughs) now a positive attitude is important, but it can be self centred. And gr- the grace of faith within us, working through us, has a sense of empathy for others, patience that they mightn't be able to latch on to as quickly as we are at the moment. But we also need to remember how long it might have taken us to get to the point of our being positive and the doubts that we've worked through. It's positive compassion, confidence that opens up God's grace to others so that we are able, by his grace, to lift others' sights and lift their morale as they begin to discover how valuable they are to God. Because if we just parade our positive faith, It's a turn off if people don't sense a handle on it for them. Faith is the key. But faith is not just whistling in the dark. We have faith in God's promises and the Bible is full of promises that we can tap into as we just open up to him. But there's a limit to that faith in God's promises. Not because the promises are limited, but because we're imperfect and we don't always see it the way he does. Can you imagine dad breaking the news that a family holiday is postponed or maybe even not possible anymore? And the kids have been looking forward to it so much. But dad, you promised, you promised, you promised. Now, this is a brief summary of the conversation but at what point in this conversation does this man stop being the kid's father and who needs more reminding about God's promises us or him? I think you'd agree that it's us that needs the reminder because he doesn't forget anything having fun there (laughs) Myra, she's doing fine, I've got a microscope (laughs) I can make more noise than she can I mightn't do it as beautifully but uh, (laughs) there we go see we can focus on God's promises but so get caught up in that, that we start to ignore the possibility where God is working in ways we might have noticed We can have faith in God's promises but it's far greater to have faith in God's presence because he said I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll never turn my back on you I hold you in the palm of my hand I sent my son to die for you I'm not going to run from that and this is the key to not only rely on God's promises but just to open up to ask, Lord, where are you? Help me to see where you are. Because that opens new horizons, beyond the verbal, beyond the memory, into the reality of a fresh encounter with him and what he's doing in ways we might have never seen before. Because as we focus on God's presence, we start to see his processes. and to see how he is at work for us. But even better, working for us and working through us and trusting us for reaching others with his grace. Now to pray in Jesus' name, that's the way we pray. But this is not just a polite close to a prayer. It's not just a sign-off, because in the Scripture a name summarised somebody's character, and there are some strange names in Scripture. One of the longest, I think, is Maya Shalal Hashbaz. How about that? Why don't they just tattoo a name uh, on that? We didn't want this kid, (laughs) but. um, that means we had a bad day hunting. The the prey hastens, we can't catch it. That's the basic message. So the the boy that was born that day was always a reminder that dad had a bad hunting day. The promise from Gabriel to Mary and Joseph was that you you will call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And... To pray in Jesus' name is to allow ourselves to be caught up in his desire for salvation for people around us, not in ways that will exploit us, but to fulfil us and give us a greater grasp of God at work in our lives, working around us. It's really allowing Jesus to express his lordship and take full control. Again, that control is not harsh or brutal it's a stretch but it's infused with love for our absolute best but beyond our best to reach into the other people's lives around us so that they also discover the freedom of his control. It avoids that name it and claim it bravado. You know what I mean about the bravado? Oh I've, I, I just know that Jesus is going to do this. Now there are some so many sad cases of people who have gone public about all that they know that God is going to do and it doesn't happen. And sadly the Jehovah's Witnesses often predict the end of the world. They've had dates on it several times, unfortunately. Uh, God hasn't got their message yet. The world is still with us. We don't know when this will come. But God does. For self absorbed or really strong, mentally capable people, name it and claim it can work. But the most of us find that life gets in the way and distracts us. And we sort of forget the promise. And if we forget the promise, or if we've been proclaiming the promise in a hope to persuade God, then we get embarrassed and it gets a bit harder to come back from that. I remember a lady in Portland took out a full page advertisement in the local paper that Jesus was coming back in two years time. Cost her a lot of money, a lot of embarrassment. He didn't come back. because he's always coming anyway. He's coming into whatever we are. And as we again focus on his promise but also focus on his presence. We start to see where he's at work. And we're able to help others to discover. And of course To pray in Jesus' name delivers us from faith healing. I'm talking about the faith that relates to how much faith we've got and the faith we have in how much faith we've got. And it's all very much emotional and it gets very, very fickle, very, well, unstable. Unstable. Now we sometimes pray if it be thy will, now that's honest enough but God wants our best and we can't pour out our hearts seeking the best for others, for ourselves and then say well if it is your will because that can be a bit of a cop out. I often pray for people to be healed, now some have been healed, sometimes quite remarkably others hasn't happened. I just find it helps to ask God to show me where he's choosing the path for healing because that fixes, that emphasizes this relationship we have with him and it still opens up a relationship for people who are struggling with an illness or maybe with the illness of a family member that is weighing weighing them down and it's also as we ask God to show his pathway through healing or through to healing, it helps us to be honest about any contributions we are making to the problem. And I'm not talking about getting heavy objects to belt ourselves about the head with created guilt, but it just may be that we don't have a right balance of exercise, diet and rest. We can't do any more in seven days than God managed in six. Simple as that. If we're eating the wrong sort of food or if we're not getting enough exercise, our bodies will start to decay. I like to go swimming three days a week and uh, that's that's helped me a lot, Um, even at this frail age stage. But uh, without the swimming... I wouldn't be in such one, you know, you see those muscular developed magazines and (laughs) you will realise what I was like before I let myself go but you know (laughs) know, I'm not going to be 17 or 20 again none of us is unless we haven't got there yet (laughs) okay, there are things that can get in the way, addictive habits whatever they might be, smoking, drinking, alcohol, gambling, sex, bad temper, gossip, lack of forgiveness, negativity, all of those things can impede our experience of healing and our capacity to pray for others and see God doing something. Now prayer involves different methods. There's a few cases in Scripture that I'd just like to point out. Uh, There's one case which we we would never experience ourselves where the woman with the flow of blood for 12 years, uh, unclean, ritually unclean, unable to worship, unable to go shopping, she mustered up enough courage to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And that was enough. But interestingly enough, as we move into praying for healing for others, we will feel a drain of power. It will be a weakening experience as the grace of God flows through us to touch somebody. Now, it may not be, you know, we're not wearing holy robes or anything like that, but for Jesus, even that slightest touch on the hem of his garment He knew that somebody had made contact. And our feeblest prayers, He will know. Why? Because He loves us. And He loves the people we care about. Limitlessly. We can anoint with oil. Olive oil is most commonly used. I have a portable communion set and I have a small vial of olive juice, olive oil that uh, if people wish to have prayer for healing and with communion at home and it's simply to um, dampen my finger with the olive oil and just put a cross on their forehead and pray for them. And anybody can do that and I'll move into ways to do it a little bit later. We can pray by proxy. We, we can pray for somebody and somebody steps in to take the place of the one who's ill, unable to get to where we are. And a classic case of that is the, the Italian centurion who went to Jesus and my servant is unwell. He's sick. But you give the order and he'll be right. Now that's the army mindset. And Jesus said, "That's incredible faith. I haven't seen that anywhere in Israel. But your servant's better." Now, some people will have dramatic healings. He says that's their style. That's the way God connects for them. Others take longer. As we lay hands on people to rest on their head, on them, not. S- stroke or push or punch although <laughs> there's a, an English evangelist who'd been a blacksmith came out to Melbourne on a crusade, a healing mission I think this was back in the 1920s and uh, Smith Wigglesworth was his name and he used to punch the devil out of people now, God's got a great sense of humour but it worked Now Smith Wigglesworth was in his hotel room in Melbourne he felt his um, bed being pushed around. He switched on the light and he saw a demon at the end of his bed. And he said, oh it's only you. And he turned off the light and went back to sleep again. Now, not all of us will experience that. But as we lay hands on people, sometimes on the affected part of their bodies, with discretion. Now, Anywhere on somebody's arm, you know, there's no compromise to touch that. Anywhere around the shoulders and above, no. anywhere down the back is fine. But uh, if I'm praying for a woman, from the neck to the navel is out of bounds as the navel to the knee is out of bounds. And we need to be sensitive to that. But often, just to... Um, pray touching people on the head because that's where our nerve centres gets the message and sends them out and it um, you know this, that whole experience of a touch can be therapeutic in itself and uh, though I don't often visit a hairdresser when the last time I went I said what would you like I said well it's been a long time since I had a fringe but uh, laughter but uh, you know women hairdressers to- so much touch and contact and that uh, caring to make women feel more beautiful that's therapy and that human touch has got a lot going for it even without the prayer but to pray as a channel of god's grace for people is something beyond our understanding but it's available for us to be of service to others. Another way if people have got a particular painful past is to help them to visualise Jesus' presence in their memories. Now that might sound a little strange, but Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And as I said earlier about faith in God's presence, his presence with us is not just here and now, he's with with us all the time. And as we might struggle through something, nothing to do with healing, but we might have a challenge that we're working through and wondering if it'll ever work out, suddenly we come through a doorway in life, and we can look back and suddenly see where God has been working all this time. We hadn't noticed it while he's been working, but suddenly he compresses the time for that moment to give us reassurance about the past with all its mistakes or regrettable moments to give us confidence for the future and a greater awareness of what he can do for others. Now, this is not something to do lightly. But when people have got hard memories, very harsh experiences, along with long-term counselling, which may be needed, that counselling can be anointed by the the invitation for them to just think about that memory and visualise that pain, whether it was a single event or a constant experience, to just present, help them to recognise Jesus there cradling them. Taking the hurt. And draining all the ugliness and the lack of qualification that they can feel because they've been violated in some way. As I said, this is not some instant fix. It's a, it's a journey. And it's not something we do lightly or on our own. But with prayer backing. With the support of others. And the willingness of the person to travel that path. And the one of the most beautiful things about healed memories is that once people can embrace the reality of Jesus taking the pain for them, they can learn to picture Jesus embracing the perpetrators and setting them free in his forgiveness so that they can move on. It breaks the power of the past. Like I said, it's not instantaneous, it's not automatic, and it's a journey. And that's a journey that can be very exhausting. And this is why Jesus described the church as like a vine where we are the branches and we bear the fruit of other people's lives coming and being transformed. The fruit of his character reaching out through us with grace and love and all those, the fruit of the spirit that nourish their relationships, And that fruit that we bear is people drawing their spiritual energy through us initially until they become branches and start to bear fruit themselves. Now the fruit of the Spirit, all nine descriptions of love, what's fruit for? To be eaten, to be consumed. And yet as we are consumed in ministry, In serving one another and in serving people around us, we're renewed by God's grace and His Spirit. I mentioned the lady who touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and another experience which we are most unlikely to uh, find. In Ephesus, there was a temple, a pagan temple. And there were sacred items in there that would bring healing for people. They were very expensive. They were demonic. It was a fake healing, but it it, uh, delivered the goods for a little while. And Paul handed out some of his work cloths as a tent maker, just scraps of clothing, and they had the same effect. (laughs) How about that? what was God doing there? He was showing the Ephesians and anybody else within Paul's influence that even the most common things could be used by God without having all the ritual and pagan attachments and these would set people free forever. Another Way is for prayer and fasting. Now I'm not so good on fasting. Although I'm limited to the A diet. I only eat food that starts with the letter A, like apples or anchovies or a piece of steak or a piece of cake or anything else. You know, um, but sometimes God will call us to fast and if He does, we don't have to look all mournful and hungry. We just have to rejoice that he's taking our desire for food and moving that into a desire to know him better or for others to know him better or for others to be healed. There was a man, a desperate man, came to Jesus and said, my son is afflicted with a demon that tosses him into the fire and gives all the experience, all the de- symptoms of some sort of epilepsy. And Jesus heard the man say, your disciples couldn't deliver him. And Jesus got the boy, brought to him, healed him. The disciples said, well, how come we couldn't do that? Jesus said, well, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Now, I did say that sin is not the only cause of illness, but sometimes there's demonic activity involved. That demonic activity is defeated, but it's also smarter and sharper and more brutal than anything we might ordinarily come across. And we can't be glib about that. I remember editing a book on deliverance ministry. Um, written by a Belgian pastor who's had 30 years of local church deliverance ministry. And uh, again, just a little bit of a note for the name it and claim it people we sometimes hear. uh, There's a lady being delivered of demons and the demons came back. And this guy said, you said you'd leave. And the demon snarled, what makes you think we'd keep a promise? You know, know, it might sound funny, but you know we're, we're dealing with something which has no moral base. If we move into areas of deliverance, no moral base whatsoever. But it's a defeated lack of moral base, and we need to know that. And we need to focus on Jesus, the healer, rather than get caught up in all the possible symptoms and causes. Well, how do we start? Well, first of all, commit to Jesus' Lordship, his love, his wisdom, because he's committed himself to us. And we start prayerfully, and a word I've made up, prayerfully. It was in um, Luke chapter 10 that Jesus sent out 70 of his disciples on an evangelistic mission authority to cast out demons, to bring teaching and do all sorts of stuff but he sent them out in pairs for a very simple reason it avoids the lone ranger approach or in some cases the lone stranger and it also provides a mutual support and discernment because sometimes when we get on our own talking with people we sometimes push too far Without realising we've gone too far, to have somebody with us, not necessarily to gang up on the person we're praying for, but to offer that um, sounding board, a mutual sounding board, so that we can be working together as we grow in the confidence to develop this ministry. Next week, we'll look at issues that can deny or delay healing. And uh, it's not just lack of faith. There's about nine other different reasons why people won't get healed. So I hope this has been helpful for you so far. I'm not trying to oversell it, but it's a ministry we can develop with people and God trusts us to either embark on it ourselves or support those whose sense a calling to move in that direction. Let's pause to pray. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you trust us with your grace and love to make a difference to our world as a group or individually. And Lord, we thank you that you are the great physician. We thank you that you are the loving physician, the one who sets us free and the one who keeps us focused on your love for us and on what your love can do through us into our world, into our circles of influence. And we thank you for your own name's sake. Amen.